Father, we are grateful that you are always with us. We are grateful that you lead and guide us. And we are grateful that you win the victory. Father, we ask that today as we hear a story from your word and and reflect on it together, that you would enable us truly to hear you. And not just to hear you, but to listen to you, to be encouraged, and to obey you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. So we are reading Joshua chapter 6 this morning. This is going to be our last Sunday morning in this series on Joshua. This Thursday for Thanksgiving, we're going to go back to a few verses from Joshua 5 and reflect on what it looks like to give praise and thanks. But this morning, we are going to wrap up our Joshua series in terms of fresh verses with Joshua chapter 6. And the the bulletin has a little different set of verses, but we are going to read the whole of this chapter. It's a long reading, but it's a good story, so let's jump into it together. This is Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people, advance, march around the city with the armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the people, Do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the people returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpet. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded in the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, shout, shout. For the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury." When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so every man charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. 
Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it. But they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. At that time, Joshua pronounced this solemn oath. Cursed before the Lord is the man who undertakes to rebuild this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son will he lay its foundations. At the cost of his youngest will he set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout the land. This is the word of the Lord. So a number of years ago, when our oldest David was about two, Laura and David were at her parents' house. I was elsewhere for a bit, and they, uh, they had some projects to do around the house. And one particular thing that Laura's dad had to do, that Grandpa Tinklenberg had to do, was to fix the phone jacks. And for those of you who are a little on the older end, we used to have this strange thing where we had phones that plugged into the wall in our houses, and every now and then the jacks would break, wires would have trouble, whatever. So there was a time that they were having this issue in their house when David was there. So grandpa set to fixing it. And David, at about two years old, and by the way, I got his permission to tell this story. But David, at about two years old, wanted to help. So every time that grandpa came to a phone jack, there was a little face that slid right in next to him. Grandpa, what are you doing? Grandpa, can I help? And so, of course, grandpa got out the nice little tools and they worked together. And phone jack by phone jack throughout the house, grandpa would fix things and David would be right there with his face plastered against the wall, helping. And when they got to the end, I heard the report that, that yes, we fixed the house. We fixed the house. Now, who really fixed the phone jacks? Well, David, yes, but really grandpa. Grandpa. Now, we just sang Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, but who really fought the battle of Jericho? Well, Joshua, yes, but really it's the Lord who fought the battle of Jericho. It's the Lord who fought this battle more than it is Joshua or the people. Chapter 6 begins with the the gates of Jericho are securely barred, but then the Lord speaks to Joshua, and you can check out our YouTube channel last week's sermon if you want a little more detail on that conversation the Lord had with Joshua. But for today, the Lord speaks to Joshua, and you might have noticed that, that the Lord did not say, I will deliver this city into your hands. He said, I have delivered this city. The Lord is not saying, I will do this. He is saying, I have already done this. And, and here's the timeline we're on, and this is significant, so we're going to spend just a minute on this, that Joshua and the Lord are here in terms of time. The conquest of Jericho is here, but the Lord is speaking as if he is over here in the future, okay? Past, present, future. It's like if right now I were to say, and this is a joke, the bears will win today, Actually, I would have to say the Bears have won today. And the Bears have not won today, have they? And if they win, you can come back this evening and let me know about it. But what the Lord is saying is the work is already done. Okay, it hasn't actually happened yet, but in fact, it pretty much has. 
Now, if someone, if someone comes to you and says they know the outcome of a sporting event before it happens, you probably think either they're wrong or the game is rigged. And what the Lord is saying to Joshua here is the game is fixed. I have all the power, the fix is in, and we are going to win. So do these things, encircle the city, walk around it, blast the trumpets, do the shower, do all that, but really, I am the one who is giving you the victory. In fact, what the Lord gives Joshua here and, and what the Israelites do, this is not a military strategy. It is not. If this was a military strategy, it would be a joke. Walk around the city and then yell really loud and see what happens. You know, people have tried that a couple times in history and it hasn't really worked very well. It's not a good military strategy. But what the Lord gives his people here is a worship strategy and a relationship strategy. What the Lord is doing is not saying, do this and you will have the military power to defeat the people. What he is saying is, because you are with me and because I have delivered the city into your hands, therefore, celebrate our relationship. The Lord fights the battle of Jericho. The battle of Jericho is, is a small picture of the cosmic war that has been going through most of the history of the earth. And we need again and again to hear that the Lord fights the battle. The Lord fights the battle. And there are two temptations that we could call them equal and opposite that, that, we, might be, that we might be prone to if we look into how the world around us is going. We might look at the world and say, look at all that's wrong. Look at all the evil that's happening. Look at all those terrible things. We got to fight. It is time for us to fight, people of God, and let's get our armor and let's go out there and let's defeat the enemy. And I'm all for passionate engagement on the side of the kingdom of God, and I am all for Christians fighting for what is right in this world. But too often, the triumphalist temptation ends up with us saying, Well, I have to fight. I have to fight. We have to fight. We have to win. And that gets us sometimes into a place where instead of trusting on the Lord, we, we put our trust in, in princes or politicians, or we put our trust in our own power. And, and instead of depending on the Lord, we, we beat ourselves up and we try to whip other people up into a frenzy because we have to win. Israel did not win the battle of Jericho. The Lord did. We are not going to win the cosmic war against evil. The Lord will. The Lord will. But there's another temptation that others of us might be prone to, and that's to, to look at the situation of the world. To look at the situation of the world and to recognize, and in our particular context right now, the cultural tide is against us. The pandemic has been really, really hard on, on churches and the church in North America in general. And, and there are many questions, and it seems like there are, there are challenging days ahead of us. And we might look at all that and we might just sort of wilt, kind of back off and say, you know, we aren't going to win this fight, so let's not even try. Let's, let's just circle the fences and circle the wagons, build the fence, and just try to keep our little corner here safe. And that is not what the Lord calls us to. I, I am all for holding on to the Lord even through hard times, but the Lord does not call us just to make our safe little bubble and, and live there and let the world go on its merry way. God does win. 
And he wins the ultimate victory, but he's also at work now. And so there are, there are many victories that we see in history and even many victories that we can see if we, if we look at how the church is doing these days. We might not always see the victories here. And North America is a challenging place to be. But, but if we look at the church around the world, the church is bigger and more powerful than it ever has been. If you look at the sheer number of believers in the world, the sheer numbers of brothers and sisters we have in Christ, if you look at how the church is growing, if you look at how the, how the church is doing globally, we are in an amazing season of advancement and victory. The Lord, the Lord fights and wins the battles. And so we should not, we should not think that we are the ones who have to fight and we have to win and, and get all wound up in our own power and our own success or lack thereof. But we also shouldn't get all discouraged and all down at our, own, at our own failures or at least the times that we can't see success because it is the Lord who fights and the Lord who wins. And so our call is to keep on trusting and obeying. And that is what the people do here in the story of Jericho. The people trust and obey and they devote everything to the Lord. The Lord gives his instructions to Joshua. Joshua turns around and tells the people, march around the city for six days, blow the trumpets. The seventh day, march around a bunch of times, blow the trumpets and yell, and the city will fall apart and you'll win. But then the Lord goes on with his instructions, and Joshua goes on with the instructions and tells the people, and then devote everything in the city to the Lord. Destroy absolutely everything. You will win the victory because of me, but you won't benefit. Give everything to me. Now, we need to have a quick aside here, and this could be a whole sermon or sermon series, but, but let's talk just for a moment about holy war. In this text, the Lord tells his people to kill all the men and women, all the young and old, to, to wipe out a whole city. And we should be a little uncomfortable with that. This is, or at least it sounds like genocide. Holy war in the Bible is, is a real challenge for us to deal with well. And, and there are lots of interpretive approaches out there, some of them more helpful, some of them less. And again, we aren't, we aren't going to, and we don't have time to dig deeply into this. But the key question for us, I think, is to ask, what is the Lord up to? And to ask, who is the Lord? Who is God? Are we or are we not? Are we the ones who get to decide everything in the universe, or do we have to recognize that we... We have to reckon with a God who is greater than us. And if we have a God who is truly great, then the ultimate question of all of our lives, for the people in Jericho, for the Israelites, for us, the ultimate question is, are we rebels or are we servants of the Lord? Are we rebels or are we servants of the Lord? And the choice that we make determines our immediate and our eternal destiny. If you want to talk more about holy war, I'm happy to do that, but we, we need to keep going with the interest of this text and if you read through, it was a long reading today, how much of that was actually devoted to the battle? About a, about a verse and a half. Out of all the verses that we read for today, the text only focuses on the battle for about a verse and a half. What it's really interested in is what the Lord is up to and how his people are relating to him. And what the text really wants to emphasize is that the people are giving up everything they have gained. They are devoting everything to the Lord. They are making this huge sacrifice. After decades of wandering in the wilderness, after finally getting into the promised land, now they have to give the first fruits of their conquest to the Lord. 
In one way, this is a, a test. What is their level of dedication and devotion to the Lord? In another way, it's, well, it's a gift. It's an invitation for them to really live out their faith and to trust that the Lord will provide the whole promised land, not just what they have today. But the key question in this text is, how devoted are the people to the Lord? And in many respects, that is the key question for us today, too. What is our level? What is our level of devotion to the Lord? Are we all in with the Lord and on fire for Him and going to give Him everything that He asks? Or are we holding back? Are we keeping God at a distance? Are we saying, God, yes, you can have this much, but not this much? What is our level of devotion to the Lord? Now, the last few weeks, couple months, we've been working on a design by God process to, to help discern some of our spiritual gifts and looking at the pattern of the people who um, who'd filled out that survey who have been in this process. One of the really high gifts at faith is giving. That's really, really up there. We are a church that is very gifted in giving. And we're also really gifted in service. And we're also really gifted in, in intercession and in, in praying for others. This is something that fits with us, that we are devoted to the Lord in terms of, well, not just our money, but in terms of our time, in terms of our hearts, in terms of what we're willing to invest with. We as a church, by and large, are, are very willing to give. But I have to ask, are we also willing to give because, because we know that we have enough? We live in a wealthy area. We ourselves are, are by and large, pretty well off. Most of us are not worried about where the next meal will come from. And do we respond to that then with generosity and trust? Or do we respond to that by, by keeping ourselves safe, by hoarding our gifts, by, by making sure that we're okay? This is tremendously countercultural and, and almost impossible apart from the work of Christ. But we do well to ask ourselves, are we truly devoted to the Lord in everything? And the only way that we can be devoted to the Lord in everything is if, if we really understand who He is. And the Lord is a God who asks everything of us, absolutely everything. But the Lord is also a God who gives us more than we could ever imagine. Here in this story, the Lord asked the people to give Him everything from Jericho. But Jericho is just the entryway into the promised land. Behind Jericho, there is a whole wealth of, of land and, and livestock and, and resources and everything. But the people have to get through Jericho to get there. And to get there with the right kind of relationship with the Lord, they have to give up everything they get here in Joshua chapter 6. So let me ask you this, what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? What is the Lord calling you to devote to Him? And when we devote everything to the Lord, we find that He does give us what we need. The Lord, He always delivers all His people. 
The Lord delivers all his people. And our ultimate need, we, we often think of our needs in terms of the day-to-day or, or the latest toy that we want or this or that, but, but our ultimate need is to be delivered by the Lord and brought into his presence and his people. And that's what the Lord does. Now, if we came to this text having never read it before, having never heard the story, there probably would be several things that would surprise us. We would be surprised at how much it's the Lord who fights the battle of Jericho and not the people. We might be surprised at how much the people have to give up, that that everything that they've conquered, they have to give up to the Lord. But then we might also be surprised that, that Rahab the prostitute and her family are delivered. And there is a remarkable message for us there. You see, often when we put ourselves in this story, we see ourselves as Joshua, as God's chosen one, as as the one who brings about the Lord's will. But I submit to you that more often in our lives, we are Rahab. We are people who are not measuring up, living among people who don't measure up, and we are... We are living in a place and a time that is often dead set against the Lord. And yet, and yet this is a person, this is a family that the Lord chooses to bring into his family. Now the beginning of chapter 6 tells us that that Jericho has barred and shut itself up against the Lord, that, that they are not willing to let the Lord come in and they are not willing to turn to him, but there is one person and one family in this text who are an exception. Rahab and her family are the only people in Jericho who are willing to turn to the Lord. And what happens to them? They are delivered. Now here in Joshua, it's, it's the words of Joshua that deliver the people. Joshua instructs the army, don't mess with that household. And Joshua there is giving us a picture of Christ, but, but Christ comes to all of us living in this earth, living in this, living in this planet of Jericho, this place where we have barred and shut the doors against the Lord. And Jesus comes to our circumstances, and, and he gives us the news first that we all deserve death. We have chosen to shut ourselves off from the Lord, and so we have chosen death, but Jesus gives his own death for us to live. Jesus cosmically says, spare those people. Spare those people because they belong to me. And that is news that we need to hear today. The Lord fights the battle, and the Lord delivers us. We are so tempted to to try to save ourselves, so tempted to say, I can do it, and and we will do it, and we are so tempted to give up hope, to say there is nothing here, and there is nothing we can do but fade into that dark night, but what the Bible tells us is there is a different story, and the story is that the Lord delivers his people. A closing story, then we'll review briefly and wrap up. So there was a time quite a number of years ago that I was at a, a youth event and they did this tug of war contest and they had several teams and you kind of got randomly put on a team and then most people looked around at their team and went, oh no, we're in trouble. And there was one particular time that I was watching that there was, there was the dominant team, the big kids, and they were all on one side somehow. I think they paid off the people who divided the teams and the other side was mostly small kids and one big kid. 
And the tug of war started, and everything was going in the direction of the big kids. They were pulling together, and just pulling and pulling, and the little kids were kind of dangling off the rope, and it, it looked like they were going to lose. But then the big kid at the end, who'd been kind of letting things go, decided to stop. And he stood there, and everything stopped moving. And he kind of just leaned back and stood there for a minute, and his teammates all stood up, and he said, grab hold. And they grabbed hold, and then he grabbed the rope, and he just gave a yank. And everyone on the other team fell over. And once they were down, he yelled, pull! And they pulled, and they pulled, and the other team tried to scramble. They tried to get up, and they got up once, and then he just gave another yank, and down they all went. And that was the fastest tug of rope I have ever seen, because once they're off their feet and you can drag them, oh, it goes fast. You know, we spend a lot of our lives feeling like we're just dangling off the rope, like things aren't working, like we just see ourselves losing. And I don't have an answer for you as to why God necessarily allows that in any particular circumstance, but I can tell you that Jesus is at the end of our rope and that when he plants his feet, there is no force on heaven or earth that can move him. And, you know, we we see only small victories so often in our lives, but we do see those victories. And And the day is going to come when Jesus is going to plant his feet and give that rope a yank and all the forces of evil are going to fall flat on their faces. Where Jesus is going to tell us to grab hold and give a pull and our little pull really isn't going to matter but his pull is going to bring the victory. So today I want to remind you that it is the Lord who fought the battle of Jericho. And it is the Lord who is fighting the battle of our lives. And he will win. And I want to invite you with everything you have, with your time, with your money, with your energy, with everything, to be devoted to the Lord who has devoted his life to us. And I want to invite you to really be assured. To really be assured that you belong to the Lord and that he will take care of you. That in the chaos and destruction of this life, in Jesus Christ, you have been declared safe. And no matter what troubles come, you will not be touched. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, that he gives us life and that he delivers us. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the story of Jericho. We are grateful for your work there on behalf of your people, grateful for how this story has been transmitted down to us over the centuries. Oh Lord, we pray that today you help this not to be just some story we hear about a few thousand years ago. But Lord, speak into our lives. And Father, we pray that for each one of us, you speak the words we need to hear. Father, if we are putting too much trust in our own efforts or if we are giving up, remind us that you are the one who wins the victory. And Father, if we are holding back, if we are not devoting our everything to you, then help us to to repent of our wrongdoing, but also help us truly to turn and again to commit everything to you. And Father, we pray that you give us reminders and signs Make it clear to us that you are the one who delivers us. So often, day to day, week to week, we feel like we are being beaten down and and trod upon. So often it feels like you are absent and not at work. 
And so, Father, we ask for you through your word and through your spirit to remind us, to help us live in the reality that you are at work, that you are for us, that you save us. We pray all this in your name.